0: Thank you. Welcome to the Weekly Spiral. You are tuned into episode 39. We have an exciting episode today. We're going to talk AFC East preview, potentially the worst division. I don't know. We'll talk a little bit about it and what we think. Uh, We're going to dive into another Twitter hypothetical this week. This one is a little bit more polarizing and uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it too in our social channels. And lastly, we're going we're gonna to look into something we find interesting. We've all been kind of uh, enamored with this Last Dance documentary and all the hype around it. Uh, let, we're going to talk a little bit about what we think might make a good documentary from a football perspective in, in the same vein as The Last Dance. But first and foremost, I got my guys Matthew Durgan and Casey Sully with me here today. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing good. Doing good. Excited for this, uh, this episode here.
2: Yeah, doing well. Ready for my uh, one and only favorite AFC team, the Buffalo Bills. (laughs) Nice.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, I'm excited. We might have sports returning. No fans, potentially, but uh, June, there's a light at the proverbial sports tunnel, and it seems like we may have uh, some sports returning, so
1: that's great. Exactly, yeah. Sports of any kind, I'll take.
0: Yeah, really. Fingers
2: crossed, for sure.
0: There's been such a drought. This has been... I think it's the longest time in history that we've had without any sport. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's good reason for it, but it'll be great to get something back. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how the NFL handles it. I was reading an article. They were talking about pumping fan noise in and, and also digitizing mm-hmm. like a crowd if they were if they play without fans in, in the season. That's well, if,
1: weird. If they need pump <laughs> pumping crowd noise, Seattle's been doing it for mm. years. So they're going to ask them. They have the technology all good to go. Uh, but, I mean, you've seen proposals from the Miami Dolphins that they are confident they can fit in 15,000 people with following social distancing guidelines. So who knows what's going to happen. Uh, we're in California where things are obviously pretty uh, pretty different than most of the world. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next few months.
2: Yeah, the Chargers can just get all their fans in one stadium and be fine as is, you know. So <laughs> yeah. that's exciting for them. And, uh yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool to see how leagues approach it, and I'm sure the NFL will look at uh, any leagues that return early and, and see how they do it and sort of model uh, the beginning of the season off off of what they do.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we, there's obviously things can change in the next few months, so we'll see what happens with that. Let's dive into the AFC East. Um, this, in sort of every sense of the word, in my mind, is sort of maybe a toilet bowl equivalent of a division. I don't know... <laughs> what's happening here, but I mean, I'll let you guys go first. I have some interesting takes on, on how I think the league might've screwed this division, as well as how I think this may be the worst division in football. But Durgan, you want to give us your take on what you think is going to happen in this division? Maybe some record predictions, uh, anything
1: you got, go for it. I I 100% agree that this is the worst division of football, at least from a talent perspective. You do have some good coaching, Uh, some coaches, I mean, three of the four coaches I think are pretty good. Uh, but how I see a shaking down is. Wait, which Buffalo coach do
0: you not think is good? Adam Gase. Okay, cool. Just making sure <laughs> so we're all on yeah, the same page. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I have it as Bills. I think are the clear-cut favorites and the best team uh, in the division. Uh, Josh Allen. We kind of gave him some shit at the beginning of last year. Uh, we didn't think he was that good, but as the weeks and you know the season progressed last season, he improved. He didn't look terrible. He has some tools that you like to build around. Still so needs to get that, that consistency. But he has something there. And right now, he's probably the best quarterback in that division, which is crazy to imagine. Uh, so I have them on top. That's a great coaching, great defense, a good running game with Devin Singletary. I have them going 10-6. and six. Then second place, I have the Patriots going 8-8. Eight eight. Uh, that's based on straight defense and Belichick alone. Uh, everyone's kind of, think, a little overhyping the impact of Tom Brady. He was not that good last year. I don't see Jerry Stim being too much worse than he was, and they were still the best team in, in the division. So they'll still be competitive. Uh, they'll win a lot of games ugly, but they'll they'll still be good. Uh, in third place, I had the Jets going 6-10. and 10. They didn't get any better. They uh, didn't get any worse, really, but didn't get any better. Poor Sam Darnold is kind of left on his own, fend for himself. They do have Le'Veon Bell, but I think he's kind of past the prime of his career. And then... At fourth place, a.k.a. Okay, last place, I have the Dolphins going 5-11. and 11. It's a they have a tough schedule. Uh, they're a team that's still kind of learning how to win and building something there. Don't know how two is going to be this year. Fitzpatrick is up and down. Uh, they'll be competitive. They'll be the best 5-11 team in the entire league, but I just don't see them being any better than that.
2: Yeah, I, I have the almost exact same order, but generally the same sentiment set as Durgan. I have the Bills going 8-8. Eight and eight. <clears throat> Their schedule is super tough. Uh, they play the Rams, they play the Raiders, the Chiefs, Titans, Steelers, 49ers, Seahawks, Cardinals. Not one of those teams is a pushover, and those are the teams outside their division. Um so we'll, we'll really get to see how much the Bills have progressed this offseason with Stefan Diggs and uh, whether Josh Allen is, is the dude in, in Buffalo and in that division. I mean, you still have Sam Darnold, who I think a lot of people are forgetting about him because now he's tied with Adam Gase and the Jets have sucked. And, but this is a guy going into his third year. He still has all the physical tools. Um, there's just not much around him in new york i mean they got rid of robbie anderson in free agency and replaced him with denzel mims that's not an upgrade that that receiving core is not great the offensive line still needs some help um <clears throat> the defense has been playing pretty well under greg williams um but they they they're still a couple of steps away i'm have them going six and uh the jets are going five and eleven and then both the patriots and the dolphins are six and ten um I think Stidham will do better than people expect him to, but there's still, like Durgan said, there's there's not many pieces on that Patriots team to help him out. And uh, Tom Brady didn't do great, and they sort of survived on their defense, and they were pulling out trick plays and stuff at a, at a certain yeah. point in the season to to generate offense with Tom Brady back there. Um, so there, there's just it's Julian Edelman and James White, and then what? You know, like, get some tools for that guy to to give him a shot because even Tom Brady struggled with it.
0: Yeah. It's going to be a rough uh, year for the AFC East. Um, I think we all are kind of in agreement here. The Bills take this division. Um, the interesting thing, you mentioned it, the Bills have a tough schedule. Out of all the teams in this division, they actually have the easiest schedule out of all of them. If you look at combined winning percentage of 2019 matchups, the uh, the Bills have the easiest schedule, and that's fifth ranked. So it's still not easy. So somehow mm. the, the the league, Goodell, has some sort of vendetta against the AFC East. I have no idea <laughs> how exactly how the schedules are created each year, but every team in this division has a top five difficult difficult schedule. So when we when we look at the Patriots, the Patriots have the hardest schedule in the league, and they've gotten significantly worse. They lost the best quarterback of all time. The Dolphins have the third hardest schedule in the league. They've gotten better, but they're still not a great team. I don't understand exactly why they have the third hardest schedule. The Jets have the second hardest schedule in the league. I looked at this schedule, and I was kind of thinking in my head what games I thought they could win and what games I thought they would lose. I don't think they win a game in the first eight games of the season. I don't even think the Jets win a game. The Bills <laughs> will take this division hands down. I have no doubt in my mind. I think they end 9-7 and seven still um and i think they they uh maybe win the first round of the playoffs i think stefan diggs is a underrated improvement the patriots from basically after the bills i think it's just a shit show i think the patriots are going to be 5 and 11 their schedule is massively difficult don't think stidham is in a position to come in and succeed like you mentioned it'd be one thing to have like um, a ton of weapons, you know, and, and have a, a sort of a young quarterback come in and have playmakers around him. But it's not the case. It's just not the case in uh, New England. So I think Stidham str- struggles. He may be better than we think, but I still think he's just not put in a position to succeed. Um, so I'm saying 5-11 and 11 for the Pats. I think the Dolphins also go 5-11 and 11 just because they have a hard schedule. I think it's possible the Dolphins are the second best team in this division. Um, but I think they go 5-11 and 11 just because their schedule's difficult as well. And I have the Jets in last place. I honestly looked through the schedule and just unbiased, just don't like Adam Gase. I think Sam Donald is good. You look at their depth chart, there's just nothing there. I mean, it's him, Le'Veon Bell. They, they got worse at receiver. They lost Robbie Anderson. Brashad Perryman's not going to come in and do anything. It's just not looking good in New York for the Jets. I think they go 3-13. and 13. I really don't think it's going to be a good year. And I think this is the year that ends Adam Gase's coaching career as a head coach, at least. Um, so this is going to be a shitty, <coughs> shitty division.
1: It's um, shitty. It's shitty, but it's kind of a weird division because none of the teams are terrible. I like, didn't, they're not be good. I and mean, then the teams are great, obviously, but there's no Redskins. There's no bangles, no Jaguars. So I think the division games themselves will actually be really entertaining because there's no huge drop-off in talent, besides the Bills. The Patriots, Dolphins, and Jets, they all played tough in moments last year. And Dolphins beat the uh, Patriots. The Jets beat the Cowboys last year. So not mm-hmm. these teams are terrible, it's just they don't have any talent. So when it yep. gets to the December and November months, when it gets really cold, you're going to see, I think, a few uh, pretty ugly games score of, like 7-0 to or 3-0. Yeah, yeah I, a couple things. I, the Jets went
2: 7-9 and last year. I think a lot of people are sleeping on them, and I think maybe I am too. But Darnold also missed the first three games, and they mm-hmm. went 0-3 in those three games. So even if he wins two out of those three, now they're 9-7, and seven, right? And that's sort of borderline playoff position, especially with seven teams uh, this coming year. So who knows? I mean, they definitely didn't get better, uh, I would say, but... Uh, if they can sort of run it back, so to speak, with a, a mediocre squad <laughs> like that in a division like this, they might be competing for a wild card at the end of the day, you know. Uh, and then, as far as schedule goes, for people that don't know, you play uh, one uh, one division, you play the the entire division. So yep. in both conferences, so you play an a- AFC division and an NFC t- division. So for this year, the AFC East, so the Bills and the Patriots and the Dolphins uh, and the Jets are playing the NFC West and the AFC West. Those are two probably are the best yeah. divisions. Yeah. And then you play the, uh, the other two teams you play outside of your division or in your own conference. And they're similar, they're the same rank as you finished in your division. So if you finish second, you play, play the second place team in the two other divisions within your conference. So, uh, the AFC East got a, got a tough schedule this year, yeah. for sure, with the, the NFC West, which I think is probably the best division in football, and then the AFC West with, you know, the Raiders and the Chiefs and the the Chargers and, um, who else? I Broncos. Someone. Broncos. Broncos. Yeah. Are gonna Broncos are going to be good this year, Broncos got too. better. They got better. Yeah. yeah. And,
0: you know, <laughs> dude, what's, what blows my mind is I was looking at the line in Vegas, and they have the Patriots still favorited as winning this division. Um which I just don't understand. Like that's disrespectful to the bills who I think had a good season <laughs> last year and got better this year. And if Josh Allen improves, which you hope he does, he's still young. There's no chance that anyone else wins this division besides the bills. In my mind, at least, I mean, I don't know. I'm, unless you guys have any sort of way you can talk me off this, the Patriots suck ledge. I, uh, <laughs> I'm i holding firm to that.
1: <clears throat> as the resident gambling degenerate of the group here. The only thing I can consider this is what they call a rat line. And essentially, the casinos want you to bite the cheese, hence the word rat. And it makes no sense, but they're the Patriots. So people are going to see, oh, Patriots, oh, they're favored? Okay, Vegas knows more than I do, so I'm going to hop in that. Mm, mm-hmm. One of those things, I mean, that's an explanation. Besides that, that's the only thing I can think of because Patriots got worse and the Bills got better, and they were not that far apart last year. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. But like, like I said, I like what you said. But one team I think could possibly sneak into the wild card discussion because all they need is get three or four of division wins. These one like any division here, and they mm. can move up like really quickly. The Patriots, tell you, they're I think they're gonna be better than most people think. They're not gonna they have talent. They don't have the names, but Belichick is gonna be more focused and determined this year, and they'll play good defense. not keep them in games.
0: Yeah there's some exciting storylines in this division i mean you got sam donald coming back uh full season see what he can do there tua you know what do we got there stidham who knows um can josh mm-hmm. allen improve and is stefan Diggs a worthwhile pickup there's some interesting stuff to look out for but i'd say just in general i'm still going to hold on to that i think this is the shittiest division in football
1: yes yes <laughs> yes i i agree i'm top to bottom
0: okay cool Uh, Let's move on to our next segment. We're going to talk about a Twitter hypothetical, um, and it is about a Hall of Fame vote between two players. Who deserves it more? And the two players that we are looking at here is Eli Manning or Frank Gore. Both potentially for different reasons. Uh, Both have been successful in different ways. But let's dive into kind of who we think deserves it more and why. Durgan, you can can take it away here.
1: I'm going to ramble for a bit here.
0: Do let me think. preface
1: by. Go for it. Let, let me let me preface by saying, Eli Manning will be a Hall of Famer. That, that's going to mm-hmm. happen. Whether I, I mean I'm going to talk about why he shouldn't, but he's going to be. That's what's going to happen. But I'm obviously picking my guy Frank Gore, the greatest running back in San Francisco 49er history. Right, the stats speak for himself. Uh, he's third all time in rushing. That alone, right there. I don't care what sport you play. If you're a top three in a major category, you are going to Hall of Fame. Most rushing yards after the age of 30. And when I looked at him, I never saw him as an explosive running back. I saw him as a guy who'd get, you know, three, four yards and just kind of wind you down. But he has a higher yards per carry than Hall of Famers Emmett Smith, Jerome Bettis, Thurman Thomas, and Curtis Martin. So it's not like he was a guy who just played for a long time. That's why he was good. Like he was good for a long time and did good every single season. This past few years, yeah, I mean, he's been kind of a backup, refuses to retire, whatever. And then I also looked at the running backs that are currently in the Hall of Fame, and I go, okay, who is he better than? Like, this, yeah, I mean, talent-wise, maybe not, but in terms of production and longevity in the career, who's he better than? Marcus Allen, great running back, only three 1,000-yard seasons. Jerome Bettis only averaged 3.9 yards per carry and only had three or four good years. And then finally, Terrell Davis only played seven total seasons in NFL and only played four of them at a level where he was healthy. The last three seasons he played a combined 11 games. So That's my gore argument. And Eli Manning, if you look at his stats, he was 500 as a starter. His touchdown to interception, 366 to 244, not great. 60% completion percentage overall. He never led the NFL in single-season touchdowns yards or completion percentage, but led in interception three times. If his last name wasn't Manning, he'd be seen as a Matt Ryan, a little bit lesser than Big Ben. But the reason why he's going to get in is because of Super Bowls. He won two Super Bowls, MVP of two of them. Even though the first one, it was more his defense leading the way, but then he had a Joe Flacco-esque huge run that postseason where they beat the Niners, unfortunately. And look, look at his stats overall as well. His touchdown rate since he was drafted is 19th, worse than Jay Cutler and Aiden Dalton, and at a higher interception rate than Blake Bortles and Matt Shop. Eli Manning has been a joke most of his career, and I don't think one or two seasons where he made a good run, where he was backed up by a great defense, should be like the reason why he gets in. That being said, he's a Manning, he's getting in. Rant over.
0: Good rant. I Compe- mean, some compelling stuff there. <laughs> I, I, you know,
1: I went in. My, my, Frank Gore is my guy. I will go to war, Frank Gore. So I got to back him up.
0: <laughs> I see that. I see That's you're very passionate right about Eagles legend Frank Gore. Uh, <laughs> Casey, what? what let's, let's unless you want you want to rebut anything that Durgan said. I mean, I'll let you take it away. I oh, uh, mean, I have a slight rebut. Go
2: do your rebuttal. It's all you. The floor uh, is yours. If Eli Manning shouldn't be rewarded for one or two exceptional seasons or runs. Frank Gore never even had that. He just has volume stats. He's played for a really long time. He's run the ball a lot. He's had a good yards per carry, but he's never been, in any season, an elite guy where you would want to absolutely build your team around a super dynamic running back that's you know a, an absolute game-changer. He's just a steady dude that's played for a long time, never got hurt, and props to him. He's an Iron Man, a lot like Eli Manning, who played 210 straight starts before McAdoo benched him for fucking Geno Smith. You know, <laughs> uh, he he's never gotten hurt. I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but my vote's going for Eli. Uh, he prevented Brady from getting two more rings. Uh, he comes up clutch in the big games. Maybe he's never, you know taken a season by storm or absolutely demolished teams, but he has 57,000 yards all time, which is seventh uh, in the history of the NFL. He has 366 touchdowns. He's one of 12 quarterbacks to have won multiple Super Bowls. Of the eight that are eligible to be in the Hall of Fame, seven of those quarterbacks are in the Hall of Fame. So uh, that's a good indicator. He's one of only six multiple-time Super Bowl MVP winners all time and yeah he, he's not the flashiest he's got the face he's got the Manning face he looks clueless and lost on the sideline a lot uh throws quite a few interceptions uh, but you're gonna throw quite a few interceptions when you play as long as he did um do I think he's one of the best quarterbacks I've ever played absolutely not um but there is something to be said for playing your best in the biggest moments and coming up clutch and and leading your team to a Super Bowl and he did that and he made the Giants competitive for a long time Um, maybe they were never the elite of the elite but they were there they were in the mix uh, and he made two super important Super Bowl runs yeah yes (laughs) (laughs) that's all correct
0: Uh, Durgan if you don't have anything to say Casey made his case I'm going to go I'm a, you go, and
1: then I I got rebuttal for you guys, but right. I want to hear your point I'm first. I'm gonna have to agree let, with Casey. Let you, let you speak.
0: I'm gonna have to agree with Casey on this one. It pains me to say it. I do not like Eli Manning. Um, I just he's just bad. He's just really bad. <laughs> but two Super Bowl wins. That's that's what does it. That's what puts it over the edge. I mean, how many does Frank Gore have? Zero. Sixteen year career. Zero wins. Zero Super Bowl wins. That's why we play this game. That's why these That's why these people play this game, is for that ultimate achievement of winning a Super Bowl. Frank Gore's been to one, didn't win it. So, I got to give the edge to... I got to get... Hold on. I got to give the edge yeah. to Manning. <laughs> oh, I'm good. Like Casey said, 12 QBs in the history of the league, in the entirety of... NFL exists of the NFL existing have won multiple Super Bowls, and you can say what you want about Eli Manning, but he's one of them. I mean, he's won as many Super Bowls as Peyton Manning, as his brother, who's obviously a better quarterback. But if the barometer is uh, you know of a successful career is winning championships, they both won two. So Peyton's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, no question. I agree with Casey. Eli is no should never be a first ballot. If he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, I'm going to be very angry. Just saying, <laughs> he should not be. But he will be in the Hall of Fame. You, even you agreed with it, Durgan. He will
1: yeah. be. Gore might not be. Gore is going to be a Hall of Famer.
2: Nah. I think eventually. It might take. It, it, yeah, he a it while. might be
1: first ballot, but he, both of these guys are going to be Hall of Famers. <laughs> hypothetically, he'd pick one, but both of them are going to be Hall of Famers. I mean, for the reasons we mentioned. Is it Eli Manning? Was he ever a top five quarterback when he played? No. Like, I how can you not be a top five player at your position in the Hall of Fame? And think I about don't know it. that Frank Gore was either, though. Frank Gore was top five. In his heyday, he was top five running back. he I mean, had like Daniel Tomlinson. You had guys like Chris Johnson had flashes in the pan, Sean Alexander. But he was a top five running back, I'd say.
0: Mm. Um, I don't know.
1: Mm. Oh, how about this? <laughs> of, of the 2010s, let's go, go two thousand. Eh, I dropped too late. Was Eli Manning a top 10 quarterback in either decade he played in?
0: It doesn't matter, though, is, is the point. It That's, does not I matter. Saying,
1: if, you're, if you're not a top 10 player position in a decade, how can you get in? Listen, I know, I know, listen, I know, I know listen. he won the championships.
0: The difference is is the position. It's not, it's not that he's top five or not top five. It's the fact that he was a quarterback, the most important position in football, the most important yeah. position in any sport. And he won two championships, two Super Bowls. So that's what does it. It, it. I I think it it we look into these stats a little bit too much um, in terms of comparing a running back to a quarterback. Of course, a running back is going to have sexier stats. Like that's just the way it is. But I would say, I mean, they're both deserve, They're both deserving. There's no question in my mind. You made a very compelling case for Frank Gore. A lot of the things you said, I did not know. I but do yeah. like Frank Gore a lot, <laughs> but um, it's Super Bowls. It's always going to come down to Super Bowls.
1: And th- that uh, I do agree with the fact that Super Bowls that mostly matters for quarterbacks because they're usually the ones, you know, having the ball in their hands at the end. Uh, the Niners should have won a Super Bowl if Greg Roman let Frank Gore run the ball against the Ravens instead of trying to throw fades to catch with Kaepernick, who can't throw a fade ball to save his life. But <laughs> besides the point, but you know, it's one of thing, it's things like, oh, okay, Frank Gore is a stat compiler. Yes, he played for a long time. He was never an MVP. I think he has all pro once, but he was just such a consistent, solid player for so many years and a constant professional. And I didn't know that's why Jerome Bettis Bettis sucked. I'm a Notre Dame fan. That's where Jerome Bettis went. The guy, like, he was good. He was big. He was bigger than anybody else. But in terms of, like, super or in terms of being a Hall of Famer first ballot, how in the hell did he get in? Also, Terrell Davis plays four seasons and gets in? Bananas. Absolutely crazy. So both these guys would get in, I, but what do both of those guys have? Super Bowls. Hmm. But like I mean, huh. <laughs> the they, interesting they, how that's so, so so by that theory, Joe Flacco should be a uh, Hall of Famer because he led the Ravens to Super Bowl. He only has one. Yeah, so it's Terrell Davis. I think Jerome Bettis might only have one.
2: You know, they're, but Terrell Davis was better than Joe Flacco. Oh yeah,
1: as no, a it, player. you can't say oh he won a Super Bowl oh he's good to go.
2: Well, sure, but you can't I'm play. Just you, can't play it out.
1: you can't play four seasons and make the Hall of Fame. That's crazy. Clearly,
2: he, he, you I mean, did. you can. You can, did. You can. He played yeah, seven and four full ones. But well, I mean, you think I mean, about I mean, other running backs in the 2010s. You have Adrian Peterson, I just speak. Le'Veon Bell, uh, Jamal I mean, of it. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, Jamal Charles, Lashawn if, McCoy. If Marshawn uh, Lynch, because Matt of Forte.
1: Hubs. Okay, For, Gore is better than Forte. No, if, Gore, if, if
0: I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Durgan.
1: Oh, no. I, would, I, I would bet $100 that Gore becomes a Hall of Famer before Forte does. Possibly. And Gore's still playing. Because Forte playing.
0: wasn't as durable and had injury issues. But in yeah. those
2: seasons, in their heyday, Forte well, was a yeah. better running back.
1: Like flashes and pans. Those guys had two or three. Well, Peterson, obviously not. Marshall well, Lynch. I mean,
2: Frank Gore's just simmering in the pan for <laughs> you know a decade and a half. He's, he's never a, flashed. That's what we're saying.
1: Like 10 years of over 1,000 yards. That's as consistent and as, as great as you can get.
2: Hey, I don't think he's a bad player. I'm just saying... Hey, you know I what? Know. You want to talk
0: stats then, and we want to get to hard stats. He's had one year of double-digit touchdowns.
1: I mean, that also makes a difference. That's play calling. That's a lot of... <laughs> For some reason, the Niners... During the Niners hardball era, they took Frank Gore out of being a goal back, which makes no sense because the guy, every time, got at least two, three yards. And then this guy, Anthony Dixon, who had like seven touchdowns one year, but only had like 30 carries. It was ridiculous. But the touchdowns, yeah, that's that's a stat that could also hinder Gore, because the Niners put on so many crappy teams. They didn't score touchdowns. Uh, They had the best field goal kickers that year, because they kicked the ball every single time. It's just, I mean, once again, both of you guys are Hall of Famers. Both great votes. I'm obviously a little biased. Frank Gore is my guy. But if you're a third, like, best terms of yardage all time that's 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 it right there that's that's all you need that's like you're okay you're in
2: i think it depends whether you value longevity and the volume stats or not yeah i think that's sort of what it comes down to because if he had if he is if his career ended five years ago i don't think he's even in the conversation
1: i mean he'd still be top 10 rusher i mean not top 10 top 15 yeah maybe not but if the Niners if won in 2012, you would be. Well, the Niners should have won. If you're, well, if, you're a base, if you're a baseball player and you get 3,000 hits, but you play for 25 years, you're going to Hall of Fame because you got 3,000 hits.
2: I don't know anything about baseball, so that means... <laughs> well, you would. You would. <laughs> the the 3,000
1: 3, hit club is like the top echelon or like 500 home runs as well. Like if you get that, you're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. steroids So like if you're number three overall in rushing, number three overall in passing, something like that, receiving. Like, Torrell Owens should have been a first-battle Hall of Famer. And he's the second or third all-time leading receiver? Yeah. yeah. Granted, granted, he didn't get in because he has issues off the field and people think he's a jerk, which Frank Gore or, or Eli Manning won't have. They're both upstanding citizens. Uh, Eli Manning was a Walter Payton, Pan, Walter Payton Man of the Year uh, recipient before, so... I mean, he's, he's going to get in because he's a Manning, no doubt about it. I wouldn't be shocked if he was a first ballot, but I hope not, like you guys said.
2: Yeah, I think they both get in eventually, Man before to. Gore. They have um, to. Just sort of depends on the backlog of running backs that might be before Frank depen- Gore when, when his name Gore, is up.
1: Or he retires. Frank Gore <clears throat> might never retire. He might play for another 10 years. <laughs> it's so, true. I mean, he said you wanted to play a until his son makes the league, and his son's a freshman in college.
2: No, well,
1: we're going to be going to be a freshman in college. So I hope pretty crazy.
0: we see that and we have a father son duo. What position does his son play? Do you know running back? Ah, running nice. Back. I, hope they, I hope they both play together in the same <laughs> yeah. running back room. That'd be amazing. Uh, all right. Well, we've had enough. I think Eli Manning, Frank Gore talks. We both, we all kind of agree. They both deserve it. Uh, the consensus two to one is that Eli Manning probably deserves it more, but let's move on to the next segment. Um we're going to talk a little bit of, we've all been kind of watching the last dance and if you haven't checked it out, it is a documentary on ESPN about Michael Jordan and it is phenomenal. I would highly recommend it uh, as someone who grew up sort of on the tail end of michael Jordan's career I didn't personally get to experience a lot of what was in this documentary I mean I, I knew about it I'd heard about it, but it's definitely worth a watch. Um, we kind of got together and we discussed what would be a cool way to adapt something like this, but for football and what story would we like to see told? What would we be interested in seeing something about? So uh, let's dive into our ideas. Durgan you can start us off here. What do you think might be a compelling story, a compelling documentary, something you'd be interested in seeing in the same vein as uh, The Last Dance?
1: Well originally I had the idea I wanted to see a Niners vs Cowboys documentary but apparently that's been done by the NFL Network. I'm gonna watch that sometime soon but immediately I thought it'd be a really cool documentary to kind of analyze and compare and talk about the careers of Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. Two rivals, their entire careers, the historic battles in the playoffs and the regular season, but to- two totally different paths to get there. Um, Peyton Manning, son of Archie Manning, former quarterback, I believe he's a Hall of Famer as well. He was the, the top pick overall. Mr. Hot Shot of Tennessee kind of crowned as the next big thing before he got to be there. And then you had Tom Brady, an athletic skinny kid from Bay Area, went to Michigan, didn't really play too much there, six-round pick, and uh, he kind of didn't play his first year. Then took over Drew Bledsoe, obviously because Super Bowl champion that season, rest is history. And Peyton Manning, who was kind of always putting the stats up, had the great numbers, but for the longest time didn't win the Super Bowl. So kind of comparing their rivalry, but they're also friends. Would be a pretty interesting uh, dynamic, and I got the inspiration for this based off the golf match they're going to have for charity with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson that's coming up, I believe, in two weeks. But there is, you know, their careers are going to be tied together forever based on the fact they're in the same era, two the best all time going at it in the same conference. I mean, if Brady's doesn't play, Peyton Manning probably wins five Super Bowls. If Peyton doesn't play, Brady's getting another two or three, uh, chances at getting more Super Bowls. So it'd be a pretty interesting story, I think, to compare and contrast those two uh, legends.
2: Yeah, that sounds dope. I would love to see that. Yeah, the narrative is really cool, like you were saying. Sort of the the Blue Blood family producing the Peyton Manning and uh, Tom Brady, the underdog, sort of coming in scrappy and how those two guys ended up clashing uh, and some big rivalries. I mean, I remember every time... They played each other, especially in the regular season. That was Monday Night Football or mm-hmm. Sunday Night Football, and it was on TV, and you tuned in, and uh, you have some uh, really good games between them, like uh, Bill Belichick going forward on fourth <laughs> down, backed up in their own territory. Yeah. I still remember that game uh, because he was just so scared if he gave the ball to Peyton Manning, he would just You're gonna lose, go yeah. down and score anyway. So uh, he had to go for it on his, like, own, his own 20 or something like that. So that would be a cool, super cool story to me, and I think overall the NFL is starting to compile some of this like stuff that's happening right now like with the all or nothing seasons and hard knocks and all these behind the scenes things I think there's going to be a big collection of film for somebody to pull from at some point to make one of these documentaries I have two that I think would be super interesting one is Durgan's 49ers and the Harbaugh era. Era. Uh, I think that would be super interesting to see turmoil behind the doors, uh, sort of a power struggle between Harbaugh and York and Balky, but they're winning on the field. They went to three straight NFC Championship games, went to a Super Bowl. Um, It's hard to sort of realize, like, oh, there's, there's, there's all these conflicts going on, but they're still having success on the field. Kaepernick's coming in at his peak. The transition from Alex Smith. Uh a lot of stuff going on there that I think would make some some good drama. is a great character. Uh you got a lot of interesting pieces moving on uh in that you know the the locker room and in the front office there. And then the second one would be the Cowboys in the nineties with Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson feud, um all that partying, the birth of America's team. Uh, they won a Super Bowl in 92, 93. They tried a three-peat, and they lost, and then they got a, a, another Super Bowl in 95. Um, so I think that would be an interesting way to go as well, because you have another coach-owner conflict, and eventually Jimmy Johnson wasn't there for the last one, and uh, Jim Switzer came in. <clears throat> but uh, I think those those sort of Peak 49ers, Cowboys teams. I don't know if that was peak 49ers, but uh, recent peak 49ers yeah. in there. I think both of those would be super interesting to watch.
1: I, I texted you this when you told me you are doing the Harbaugh idea. Like, I can't believe I didn't think of that. That's a <laughs> great idea. I mean, those teams are so talented. but had so many guys getting legal issues, whether they're being mm-hmm. arrested. I mean, like four or five of those guys were accused of like beating their significant others. You had Alden Smith, who was like, arguably... Mm-hmm the most like best pass rusher since Lawrence Taylor couldn't stay on the field. And a subplot of that is Colin Kaepernick's current girlfriend was Alden Smith's former girlfriend. So they clashed. Yeah, they clashed. So like the whole like locker room is before Kaepernick started kneeling and everything. Like the locker room started to kind of turn on Kaepernick and started with Alden Smith, but then he had his own legal issues. And then like you said, like York and Balky, they said, okay, we're going to, now, we're the reason why the team's good, but we want win with class. They kept saying that we want to win with class. We want to win with guys who are, you know, good citizens and good players. And obviously, mm-hmm. it took like a downturn real quick.
2: And how do you? What? Just a quick aside. How do you guys feel about that? Like, would you rather win with like now? The Niners are squeaky clean. They have some yeah. super good, high character guys, and they're still winning uh, clearly and have one of the best teams in the NFL. So, do you, you think even, that's the right way to go? I mean. Yes and no. I think as long
0: as it doesn't become a reason and maybe a, a false reason to abuse your power, a lot. Chip Kelly on the Eagles, um, sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, cutting Deshaun Jackson, trading Lashawn McCoy for basically fake reasons, claiming character issues with Deshaun Jackson that really, really weren't there. You know, as long I, I think it's important to be able to understand that not everybody's perfect, right? People make mistakes there's certain things that you just can't accept as a coach, but then there's certain things that you have to be able to say to give people second chances. And um, I I would say it's, it's very situational. It's hard to to give you a a yes or no answer on, on what's, what's more important. Obviously look for high character guys and that's just who you want to bring into your organization in general. But um, you know, you have to balance that with winning and um, it's, it's, you gotta, you gotta kind of, you gotta kind of play that balancing act and, and, and uh, make sure that, you're doing your best to bring in these high character guys, but obviously people make mistakes. So
1: It's it's tough to win with a team full of choir boys. So you're going to have every team have a few of the kind of the bad boys, the guys who get in trouble. <laughs> uh, the Niners team with Harbaugh, they had some guys who kind of towed that line past being bad boys and being actually bad people and make a lot of bad choices. Um, obviously you want all the guys on a team or girls, depending on your team you're a fan of, to be the best citizens, to be role models, but it's not realistic. Uh obviously you don't want people who are insane and in are detriment to society on your team. But you have to realize they're humans. Not every person is gonna be the best or your kind of picture perfect uh role model citizen. So kinda of like Cyrus says, gotta find that balance. Sure. Sure.
2: Well Cyrus, who's who's your who do you wanna follow?
0: So, I think something that parallels very well to Michael uh, Michael Jackson, wow, (laughs) (laughs) well, also one of the greatest of all time, let's just say that, but uh, Michael Jordan, excuse me, and Phil Jackson, that's why I made that mistake, um, sort of the greatest of all times potentially in, in both their respective positions would be Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So, we're not quite there yet in terms of timing. I mean, Brady's still playing and Belichick's still coaching, but... I could see 10 years from now a very similar documentary being made about Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. You know, there's there's a lot of compelling things there, right? Casey mentioned that you got an underdog story with Tom Brady being a six-round pick and turning into literally the greatest quarterback to play the game. You got six Super Bowls to go through. You got drama, Spygate, Deflategate. Um, there's a lot of things there, too. And then the Super Bowl loss to the Eagles as well. So that's something that we could talk about in the doc, <laughs> oh, really? but... Yeah. I, I think this is, you know, it's, it's, it's an end of an era in New England. And we probably, we may never see something, a story like this again. So it's something that I think should be told. And it sort of closely mirrors the 1980s 49ers with Joe Montana. And if there's not a documentary made about that, there might be. If there's not, that should be made as well. Both Tom Brady and Joe Montana were not highly regarded coming into the league Tom Brady being a sixth round pick and Joe Montana being a third round pick and there's a lot of similarities in their careers. So I'm thinking first of all, if if there's no Joe Montana nineteen eighties Niners doc, there probably is. Durgan, you might know. I don't know if there is. There there is, yeah. There is. Good. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go watch that. But um <laughs> definitely one should be made about the sort of modern day Patriots. There's a lot of fun stuff there. It'd be fun it'd be fun to get some Gronk interviews in there as well and um <laughs> I think I think he'd make a great, great uh T V Presence on that doc, but I'd be excited for that. I don't know. What
2: do you guys think? Yeah, I like it. I, you know, Bill Belichick did like the top 100 all time series recently yeah. with Rich Eisen and the count of that down. And he actually had like a little bit of on camera personality, which was interesting to see. So I think if he's down, like it depends you know people were making a big deal out of oh what's the relationship between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick like if their relationship was genuinely pretty good I could see this for sure happening and I would 100% watch every single episode of that uh if it's not good I think they're both the kind of people that would shy away from sharing that but who knows in 10 years or something like that when they're both done uh things could change you know people patch things up and yeah never know yeah and money talks too so yeah for sure
1: I mean, this, this story is kind of on its 10th episode of the 10 episode series. It's kind of the final chapter being written. So within two or three years, I think they can start, in theory, start really producing this. But it'd be a great story because you have a Patriots who, for the most part, were a team of mitsfits and underdogs and how they kind of came up as underdogs, as guys. Like, yeah, you had Randy Moss, who's a great player, but was ran out of Oakland. And you have guys mm. who were, a bunch of guys who were undrafted, Edelman. You have you know, Gronk, even a second-round pick. All the running backs they had, none of those guys were highly touted prospects. But how do you have a team of underdogs? Wes Welker. Becomes, Wes Welker.
2: Yeah.
1: And from a, from a storyline perspective, how do you have a team full of underdogs become so hated by the rest of the NFL? So it would be kind of interesting to like parallel that. And you know, They were once like, oh, wow, these guys are you know kind of cool. They were really you know fun to watch. And then got to the point, I can't stand these guys. I want them to lose every game, so it's yeah. kind of like interesting parallel there. How can a group of, you know, in theory, look at them underdogs, common people? How are they so you know, well revered or so hated?
0: Yeah, I think success kind of breeds that, right? Success breeds haters. Um, you see it in, in every sport. But uh, that's going to wrap things up here on episode 39 of the Weekly Spiral. We greatly appreciate you tuning in and listening with us. Uh, please check us out. Our website is weeklyspiral.com. We have a lot of interesting content up there. You can find all our social handles, previous episodes, and a lot of exciting stuff. You guys have anything in the pipe you want to plug really quick coming up on the website?
2: Yeah. If you are listening to this episode, you can go watch a video on Dak Prescott. Is he worth the money? go watch the video to find out weeklyspiral.com Durgan
1: I got a Cardinals wrap up on their draft. it was sneaky one of the best drafts in the entire league so I wrote a little bit about that and then starting next week I'm going to do a redraft series where I go to past years and redraft based on the careers uh, that these players had
0: Very exciting. Looking forward to that. Uh, This has been a weekly spot production, bringing you fresh football every week. Once again, thank you for sticking with us on episode 39, and we will catch you next week for episode 40.